Welcome to Season 3 and another episode of Down Under Investigations, The Truth. You are about to hear from Simon, our host, who has well over 20 years experience in the private investigation industry. Simon leads the team at Down Under Investigations who are committed to professionalism, integrity and their ability to get results for their clients. Our podcast will open up the truth about the world of private investigation, discussing real-life case studies, the latest news, cutting-edge surveillance and skip-tracing techniques, plus legal issues and support. So stay with us as we join Simon now. Yes, here we are, here we are, here we are. We're back for Season 3. Very excited about that. We had a couple of months off, not from work, but just from the podcast. We did shut down the business for a couple of weeks there, just ran on skeleton staff, um, because what happens is over the Christmas period, courts actually all shut down. There's only criminal sitting days or very, very urgent matters. So a lot of law firms and lawyers that we work for and other businesses shut down over that time. So we take a break. We let our staff refresh, relax, take it easy and get away with their friends and family. And we do the same. And then early January, we got back into the office, staff returned. We got busy, busy working hard because we've got new clients, new files to work on, a lot of surveillance, a lot of skip tracing, debt collection, process serving, all over the place, all over Australia. And it's been a busy start to the year for us. We've had a very busy January and February, and now we're heading into March and uh, things aren't slowing up. But I hope you sit back and enjoy the rest of this podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we've got planned for you throughout this year. I know we've got many listeners who would love to be a pro investigator. Maybe you've seen some TV shows or been listening to the podcast for a while and think, man, that's a pretty exciting job, what you guys get to do. Um, I thought I'd quickly share on how you become a private investigator in Victoria, where I live, Victoria, Australia. See, private investigators are also known as private detectives or private agents. Um, we're basically hired to carry out investigations on behalf of other people. The investigations may involve surveillance or background checks or taking statements, other types of research and skip tracing to gather information that's needed for maybe a legal or a personal matter. So here are the steps in Victoria, Australia that you need to follow in order to become a private investigator. The first step is you've got to meet the eligibility requirements. You need to be at least 18 years of age, be of good character, have a clean criminal record, and have completed a Certificate 3 in Investigative Services. That can be obtained via many training organisations. There's some where you'll learn a lot and you'll uh, really get a lot out of that course. So that's step one. Step two is obtain a private investigator's licence. It's also known as the Inquiry Agent's Licence here in Victoria. So you need to hold a valid private investigator's licence. To obtain this licence, you will need to complete an application form and provide evidence of your eligibility and qualifications. You'll also need to pass a criminal history check and provide details of any previous experience or training in this field. That's all done through the Victoria Police, and you can find the application form on the Victoria Police website. Step three, gain experience. While it is possible to work as a private investigator without prior experience, most employers do prefer to hire individuals who have gained some experience in the field. The best experience is gained by working for a private investigation company. And why don't you approach them? Why don't you be proactive, even if they're not looking for staff in the general employment section of the paper? 
why don't you contact them and just say, is there any opportunities? Here's my resume. I'm willing to learn. I want to grow as a private investigator and get some experience. We hire a range of investigators, whether they have a lot of experience or only a little. So our team compromises of all sorts of investigators with different levels of experience. Number four, you've got to maintain your license. Once you've obtained that license, you need to maintain it with ongoing training and education requirements. These may involve seminars, workshops, online courses, and participating in other professional development activities. And number five, you've got to stay up to date with the law. As a private investigator, it is essential that you stay up to date with the laws and legislation governing our industry. This includes being aware of changes in privacy, surveillance, and other legislation that could impact our work. And it's up to us to be proactive in that, to research and find that information. So in conclusion, becoming a private investigator in Victoria, Australia requires a combination of education, experience, ongoing training. Follow these steps, start to date with the latest laws and regulations, and you can build a very successful career as a private investigator and help your clients achieve their goals. And that brings us to our question of the day, which is from Michael in Melbourne. Michael is a lawyer, and he asks, why should law firms in Australia use a process server? Well, firstly, let's start by explaining what a process server is very quickly. We've explained it before, but a process server is an individual who serves civil and family legal documents, such as subpoenas, summons, and court orders, to the intended recipients. Our role is crucial in ensuring that legal proceedings can move forward and that all parties involved have been notified of the necessary legal actions being taken. Now, you may be wondering why a law firm in Australia would need to use a process server. Well, there are several reasons why this would be beneficial. One of the main reasons is that a process server is a neutral third party who is not involved in legal proceedings. This means that they are unbiased and can serve legal documents without any emotional involvement, ensuring legal proceedings are conducted and served fairly and accurately. Furthermore, a process server has experience and expertise in serving legal documents and is familiar with the various legal procedures involved. We know the way and the appropriate way to serve documents to ensure that they are legally binding and enforceable. They can also provide advice on the best way to serve documents based on the specific circumstances of the case and the current legislation. Another advantage of using a process server is that they can track down individuals who are difficult to locate. We call that skip tracing. This is particularly useful when serving legal documents to individuals who are avoiding service, evasive, or have simply changed their address or an incomplete address has been provided. A process server has the necessary resources to find these individuals and serve them with the legal documents, ensuring legal proceedings can move forward. Also, a process server can save time and money for a law firm. If a law firm were to attempt to serve legal documents themselves, it would require a significant amount of time and resource. This could also lead to mistakes being made, which could have serious consequences for the legal proceedings. By using a process server, a law firm can ensure that the documents are served quickly, accurately, and they can focus on other important aspects of the case. They can save money by using a process server, as we don't overcharge, we're very reasonable in our pricing. So using a process server in Australia is a smart decision for any law firm involved in legal proceedings. Don't do it yourself. Use the professionals. We offer a neutral and unbiased approach. We're experts in legal document service and we have the ability to skip trace and track down difficult to locate individuals. 
We'll save you time and money and we'll allow you to focus on the actual case itself. And that's why, Mike, I reckon it's uh, always a good idea to use a process server and why not contact us about that? We're licensed private investigators and we can skip trace and do all sorts of other things while we're out process serving for you. And that's our question of the day. Prize is coming your way, Michael. Do you have a question for Simon and the team at Down Under Investigations? We are running a questions of the day competition. If your question gets answered by Simon on the podcast, we will send you a prize value at $100. To send in your question, simply use the contact page on our website at www.downunderinvestigations.com or email info at downunderinvestigations.com. I wanted to talk about one of the most high-profile missing person cases in the entire world. It's the case of Madeleine McCann, who was a three-year-old British girl who went missing on May 3rd, 2007. She was on vacation with her family in Praia de Luz, which is a resort town in Portugal. The disappearance of Madeleine has become one of the most high-profile missing person cases in history, and over the years it has captivated the attention of the media and the public alike. The case of Madeleine McCann has been marked by a number of twists and turns with multiple leads and suspects being investigated over the years. In the immediate aftermath of her disappearance, the Portuguese police conducted an extensive search of the area, but no trace of Madeleine was found. Despite numerous investigations by both Portuguese and British authorities, no one was ever charged in connection with the case. However, over the years, a number of theories have emerged about what may have happened to Madeline. One theory is that Madeline was kidnapped by a child sex ring or traffickers. This theory gained traction after it was revealed that a number of child abductions had taken place in the area around the time of Madeline's disappearance. Another theory was that Madeline's parents, Kate and Jerry McCann, were involved in her disappearance. This theory gained attention after it was discovered a number of inconsistencies in the McCann's version of events, particularly in regards to their whereabouts on the night of Madeline's disappearance. Despite the ongoing investigation and numerous theories, the case of Madeline McCann remains unsolved. Her disappearance has had a profound impact on her family. They've campaigned tirelessly to keep her case in the public eye. The case of Madeleine McCann has also had a much broader impact, sparking a worldwide conversation about child safety and the importance of taking precautions when travelling with young children. Her disappearance led to changes in legislation, including the introduction of the UK's Child Rescue Alert System, which alerts the public in cases of child abduction. So the case of Madeleine McCann, it's obviously a heartbreaking and complex one that has captivated the world's attention for more than a decade. No one's ever been charged in connection with her disappearance. Her family remains hopeful that one day they will find out what happened to their beloved daughter. And her story does definitely serve as a reminder of the importance of protecting children and taking precautions to keep them safe, both at home and when travelling abroad. Here's some final words from Madeleine McCann's father, Jerry. I think there's a conglomeration of circumstances that have come together in this situation. The fact that we're on holiday, um, very safe resort, recognised for that. And of course, the the world has changed in terms of information technology and the speed of response, you know, in terms of the media coming here and us being prepared 
um, to some extent use that to try and influence the campaign. But above all else, it's touched everyone. Everyone. You don't have to be a parent for this to have a major impact on you. And I think it's also been very, very important. And some of the things which we did, we have done and said, which we didn't realise what impact they would have, but so many thousands of people are doing small things to help us find Madeline. Because the worst feeling was helplessness. The absolute worst that we had no bearing on finding her. But once you start to do that, then you start to feel a bit better. And I hope we're going to look back at the end of all this and say that we have done everything in our power, but also that other people are helping in so many other ways and they feel that they are part of it. Well, 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 it's time for your favourite part of our podcast. It's our top five list. Today's top five is top five ways to keep your identity safe. With identity theft a growing problem, millions of people are falling victim to this crime every year. The consequences of identity theft can be severe, including damage to your credit score, financial loss, and even legal problems. In today's podcast, we will share with you the top five ways to keep your identity safe. Here we go. Number one, protect your personal information. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? The first step is to keep your identity safe by protecting your personal information, including your name, address, date of birth, social security number, and any other sensitive information. Be careful when sharing your information that's personal online or even with people face-to-face and only provide it to trusted sources. You should also be cautious when using public Wi-Fi networks as these are often unsecured and can be easily hacked. Number two, monitor your credit report. Monitoring your credit report is an important step in protecting your identity. By regularly checking your credit report, you can quickly spot any unauthorized activity and take action to stop it. You can obtain a free copy of a credit report once once or twice a year from the major credit bureaus. Number three, use strong passwords. Always use strong passwords. It's another essential step to keeping your identity safe. Avoid easily guessable passwords such as your date of birth and your surname plus a few numbers or anything like that. Instead, use a combination of letters, numbers, symbols to create a strong and unique password for each of your online accounts. You can also use a password manager to help create and manage strong passwords. We have a rule. When you change your smoke alarm battery, which is daylight savings, you change your passwords as well. Keep updating your passwords. Keep changing them. I know they're hard to remember, but it's better than being hacked. It's better than having someone steal your identity. Number four, be wary of phishing scams. We've talked about phishing scams before. They're in a common way for identity thieves to steal personal information. They typically involve an email or a message that appears to be from a trusted source, such as your bank or credit card company asking for your personal information. Be wary of unsolicited emails or messages and never provide your personal information unless you are certain it is a legitimate request. And finally, shred sensitive documents. It's important that you shred sensitive documents before disposing of them. That includes credit card statements, bank statements, anything with your personal information on it. Shredding these documents makes it much more difficult for thieves to access your personal information. So there's several steps to keep your identity safe. 
including protecting your personal information, monitoring your credit report, use strong passwords, beware of phishing scams, and shred sensitive documents. By following these tips, you can reduce your risk of becoming a victim of identity theft and protect yourself from the consequences of this crime. And that's our top five list for today. We would really appreciate if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Please also check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you'd like to get in touch with Simon and the Down Under Investigation team for any reason, please check out our website at www.downunderinvestigations.com or call 1-300-849-007 or email info at downunderinvestigations.com. Thanks for listening.